New card. What do you think? Whoa. Very nice. Picked them up from the printers yesterday. Good coloring. That's bone. And the lettering is something called Cillian Braille. It's very cool, Bateman, but that's nothing. Look at this. That is really nice. Eggshell with Romalian type. What do you think? Nice. <laughs> that is really super. How do nitwit like you get so tasteful? <laughs> I can't believe that Bryce prefers Van Patten's card to mine. But wait. You ain't seen nothing yet. Raised lettering. Pale Nimbus. White. Impressive. Very nice. Let's see Paul Allen's card. Look at that subtle off-white coloring. The tasteful thickness of it. Oh my god. It even has a watermark. Something wrong? Patrick? You're sweating. Welcome back to another episode of the Fear of God podcast. It is, in fact, episode 98. I am just gobsmacked that we've made it this far. Uh, with you right now is one of your co-hosts, Nathan Rouse. Typically with me is um, just... just he, he, he fancies himself a bit of a Vulcan at times, Reed Lackey. Um, dear friend, uh, I consider a lifelong friend at this point. But he did say something about having a lunch date with Cliff Huxtable and then having to return some videotapes. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't really know. Um, it's, there's some weird undertones going on there, um, especially this day and age. But uh, while he is finishing lunch and dropping those tapes off, if you have not gone to iTunes and left us a rating or a review or subscribed, we would really appreciate that. We are coming up on our hundredth episode, which is insane to consider. Um, and we just really love to celebrate with you and, uh, you can best show your affection for us by, well, there are probably ways, other ways I can think of that you could show your affection for us gifts, you know, just, just cash. Um, but another less, you know, demanding way on your time and, and expenses would be just going to iTunes, leaving a rating, leaving a review or subscribing. We would really appreciate that. Reed. Hey, buddy. Hey, hello, you, you hello Nathan. Hello. <laughs> I got some new business cards that I'm. Yeah. Did you get you. some new business cards, buddy? I did. Do they have the, um, the raised, you know, lettering on it? Yes. I went with the off white cream. The okay. kind of the kind the of the off white cream that's a little redundant, but you know, 
You know what? You get your own card if you're going to criticize. <laughs> if you're going to criticize my card, then you get your own card. Okay, but it says my name right up top uh, and my new title of vice president. Okay. For fear of God enterprises. Yes, for for fear of God podcast and uh, in and I'm in murders and, and executions. Okay. And so okay. Um, that's a that's that's a very specific. See, in our in the fear of God enterprises, murders and executions would. You know, that just means that's the subgenre yeah. that you specialize in. Yeah, it actually it, it actually translates uh, to other people as mergers and acquisitions, but uh, I know mine's really the appropriate one. So yes, sure, that's, that's, totally. Well, that's well, I'm I glad get. you were able to get that sorted out. I appreciate that. Business sounds like it's thriving. If you're the vice president, does that make me the president, or that makes you the other vice president? Oh, okay, two yes. vice presidents. Yes, the pr- mm. the the president is Jesus. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> he is apparently back in the White House now. Um, so, <laughs> Reed, moving right along. Hey, Reed, guess what? Guess what? What? Guess what? I can't believe what? it. What? This is episode 98. 98? Which means 98 plus two. In two weeks, oh we are gosh. going to have our 100th episode. Oh, my god! Can gosh. you believe that? I'm really kind of stunned. I was thinking you about thought this. We'd, you thought we'd not be friends by now, right? Oh, no, no, no. I knew I knew you'd be stuck with me forever. Um, but <laughs> honestly, like now I'm 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 pretty stunned that we made it to, to ninety eight episodes. That's I mean well, li- that's, listeners let's hope we get to a hundred, I guess, that you <laughs> say it that way. <laughs> no, I mean I'm just like, yeah, I mean I'm sure listeners are probably like it's it's not that big of a deal, you know. I I don't know. I I, I think I think back to when we were first starting the show and everything and I was like, man. Yeah, I wrote out. I I got you know more than a hundred episodes idea. I think we've only done like twenty or thirty of those ideas, and here we are like approaching a hundred. So it's, I know it's just exciting. We're, it's very we're heading exciting. into a bold new era. It's true. So we are guys. We are two episodes away from our hundredth episode. It is it is a landmark anniversary episode. We are going to be covering a landmark film that we'll announce next week. <laughs> uh, but just <laughs> as a little as a little hint. It would fall into this year's series of hashtag Hitchcock block of episodes. So you have some little, little tease there for you. <laughs> um, that said, so we're trying to really just blow the doors off in this celebration time. You know, it's our 100th episode immediately following that. So the 101th episode in Bilbo Baggins, you know, numbering. Um, we are going to be putting together a retrospective episode. Yes, a retrospective episode. Who doesn't love a greatest hits? We get to do that much less work and enjoy this, enjoy the same amount of, you know, ego, ego floating or something. Um, But we can't do this retrospective episode without your help. We are soliciting you guys, but we need you to start now. Okay. So in three weeks, we're going to be launching this 101st retrospective episode. You guys have been amazing for two years now, and we want your help crafting this special episode we're going to be putting together. So here is how to help. I feel like some of you are in the bathroom with your little orphan Annie decoder ring. That's what I'm talking to you right <laughs> now. Okay. I need you to listen. So we are t- this, this week and next week. Okay. Our episodes drop on Tuesday, this week and next week, we are going to be posting questions in a couple of different places hidden around your city. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Though that, that, that would be pretty awesome. Geocaching. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we're going to be posting a couple of questions in a couple of different uh, digital spaces over the next two days. So tomorrow, which 
presuming this falls, this drops on the day it should, will be Wednesday on Instagram. If you're not on Instagram, or rather, if you haven't found us on Instagram, come find us. We are Fear of God podcast there. Okay. On Instagram, we're going to post a little video. It's going to have a couple of little nuggets, a couple of little questions. Um, watch that video and then reply accordingly. Okay. This requires you to pay attention. I hope you're still paying attention. So that's there. <laughs> and then on Thursday. So today is Tuesday when you're listening to this, except for you, Blake, you're going to do those two in the same day. <laughs> Running boy. <laughs> on your All right. run. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then on Thursday in the Facebook group, we are going to do a second different set of questions for you to reply to. We're going to do this two weeks in a row and we're going to start to assemble those answers. You will email them to us, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. If you are not on Instagram and if you are not on Facebook, one, will you please mentor me? Cause it's a problem. And <laughs> I admire, I admire your life choices. Um, if you're on neither of those, uh, we, we still want your feedback too. read what, what, how can, how can they give us feedback if they're on neither of those elements? So what we'd like for you to do, if you're not on fa- if you're not on any of the social media platforms, then please feel free to, or if you are on the social media platforms and you'd like to do this, then please feel free to email us fear of God podcast at gmail.com. Uh, in addition to the questions we are asking you, we will be fielding your questions. So anything throughout the run of the podcast that you've been wanting to ask myself or Nathan, uh, please feel free to email those questions to us. Uh, they can be show related. Uh, when are you going to cover this? What do you want? Uh, they can be fashion related. They can be fashion related. What's my favorite pajamas? What uh, <laughs> What is my favorite podcasting shirt? Um, Where do you and, get those Spock headphones? <laughs> exactly. Um, so they can be related to really anything. And uh, so depending on how many questions we get we may answer all of them we may answer only a handful but we'll see so yeah just email us your questions that you would like us to answer on this retrospective episode to fear of god podcast at gmail.com so that's multiple things there guys okay i hope you wrote those all down tomorrow wednesday instagram questions thursday facebook questions any day of the week send us the what are your burning questions you know um I can't come up with anything in the moment. It's probably good. (laughs) It's probably good that I don't. But we're going to use all of this stuff and put together a really fun retrospective episode. We really do need your feedback here, guys. We we want your feedback. This is only going to be super fun if you guys participate. Um, we are going to be using the stuff you ask and the answers you give and the replies you offer on this retrospective episode, number 101, following our landmark 100th episode. So, Reed, dude. It's a great. It's been a. It's been a heck of a ride, brother. Um, I'm so excited. Um, and yes. we're gonna buckle up with episode 102 and do something real mundane. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, get ready for that obscure 1920s right, film. Right, right. Uh, everybody, that one up. that keeps getting bumped down the list. You know, it's like okay, fine, we'll finally do that. We're gonna we're gonna pull um, out like 1932's The Vampire Bat or something, and yeah, then that'll be how yeah. we start the whole thing. All right. Um, well, now that we got that labyrinthine sort of inquiry out of the way, out of the way, read. I'm just. I personally have a burning question for you. Oh. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna email it to you. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask it of you right now, and it's just, it's kind of a multi-part question. Okay, oh, oh. multi-part. Okay, okay. Are you writing this Mo- down? You got multi-part. your multi-part. Okay, yes. it is. What you watching? <laughs> what you reading? What are you listening to? Ooh. 
have you have you been taking singing lessons? Because that was really nice. Do you like that? I, I have yeah, not been taking singing really lessons. Nice. I just no, I just really nice. I decided to try finally. Oh, I see. I yeah. see. You're like Bob Dylan in his last three albums. I get you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Reed, what have you been watching, reading, and listening to, brother? Okay, so I've got something really exciting to share with everybody right now. Tell me. So I know we have a handful of listeners who are subscribers to the horror-only streaming service known as Shudder. I know that uh, we have like Eric Straczynski over at Gut Reactions Podcast. He's a subscriber to Shudder. I know Blake, uh, frequent you know listening to podcasts while running uh, <laughs> listener. Uh, he at least used to subscribe. Definitely to not through a field though. No, okay? not not while running. I, I picture Blake as a mall runner. Oh, yes, you know? yes. Like, uh, like with the old people, he's just passing them by <laughs> listening to our podcast. And Because it's definitely not out in the open field somewhere. <laughs> well, and these, yeah. <laughs> and these days, you know, the malls are getting scarcer and scarcer. So, yeah, Oh, yeah. His one question via email to us is going to be like, why do you guys keep picking on me? <laughs> <laughs> It's because we love you. It's because we love, love Reed, uh, uh, Blake. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Reed. Go ahead. Um, so, okay. So, I have been a very big fan of Shudder uh, for a long time. I've been a subscriber now for about a year and a half, and I've been a very big fan of them in general. I'm going to give a couple of reasons why I think they're a really great streaming service in general, but um, they are horror only. Some of the content on there, and I get frustrated sometimes with the users who comment and say like, hey, this is not horror. Why are you posting this? I love the variety in their content. I love the pedigree of their content. They frequently unearth very rare and difficult to find product. Um, so I love I love that about them. I really love this service in general. But they did for Friday the 13th in July, they did a massive marathon. Um, a little bit of history. I'm going to very briefly uh, summarize uh, for listeners who don't know the TV personality known as Joe Bob Briggs. So Joe Bob Briggs was a uh, blogger and well, he's blogger now, a uh, writer, and uh, he has uh, used to host a show on TNT called Monster Vision. Before that, he had a previous show in the 80s that I didn't get a chance to watch because I was too young then. But I watched his TNT show called Monster Vision. For those who don't know what horror hosting is, the probably the most popular or known of them is Elvira, where uh, they introduce a film, they break into the film every 20 minutes or so to institute commentary or comedy. Uh, they'll do sketches or sight gags sometimes. But Joe Bob Briggs would uh, was just a fantastic. He was a big part of my late teens. Uh, loved, loved, loved Monster Vision. So so he'd been retired for like 17 years, but then Shudder brought him back for a 13 movie all night, dusk to dawn to dusk marathon. Uh, it was like 26 hours. It was massive. It was sprawling. It was fantastic. Joe Bob was back. It was called The Last Drive-In. And uh, for anybody who's heard about this or read about this online, it was absolutely fantastic. It was so popular that in the first couple of hours, uh, the servers crashed for Shudder. Um, there was so much traffic to the site, they couldn't even keep up with it. So then, here's why Shudder is such a great service. Um, so immediately some things started like popping in saying like shutter you better make this right like we can't we can't tune in uh, your servers are down like you better fix this whatever maybe this was their plan all along but this is what's great they immediately, as soon as the marathon was over, they made the marathon available to subscribers to just go back and revisit individual films, to go back and watch the whole thing over again, which I did. It was fantastic. I tuned in like three or four times on Friday the 13th and 14th, but then I also went back and rewatched the entire marathon. Uh, some great films there. He had Hellraiser. He had Sleepaway Camp. Um, he had some campier classics like Tourist Trap and Basket Case. <laughs> he even had, I mean, it was the style of the drive-in was really great. 
he had uh, even <laughs> even some really ridiculous films like uh, a slasher called Pieces and The Prowler and S- uh, Sorority Babes of the Slimeball Bolarama. I mean, it was great. It was it was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. It was this campy, fun, ridiculous, insane marathon. Um, but then, and I don't know if every listener got this, but then randomly, uh, about maybe two weeks uh, after this marathon or whatever, uh, I just get an email and Shudder said, hey, thanks for making the drive the last drive in a big success here's an extra month on your account for free like just here you know look at there i know just like hey here's a and it wasn't like an apology for the service going down or anything it was just like hey thanks for tuning in to the last drive-in uh here's an extra month on on your service now i don't know if they just did that for every user if they did that for users who specifically tuned in i don't know but i was like there are very few services that i know of who would just like hand out free months especially when somebody's already subscribed so it was really great um and i would advise any listener who has a shutter subscription to go and check out the last drive in if you already have a, sub- a shutter subscription chances are you've at least seen part of it but i would even recommend like sign up for the free trial and check this out because it was super 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 fun and that's what i spent a massive amount of time watching over the last couple of weeks i dig it i mean yeah I- <laughs> 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 wow. I really need you to like throw in a like motorcycle revving <laughs> audio after uh, well yeah. you know. Not I'm just with actual... my you meant like a real one. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But whatever, you know, that works too. Um <laughs> Well that's cool. That's cool. I, I I have no connection to Mr. Briggs. But he sounds it, like a, a a swell fellow. He's um, so much fun. He's great. Uh, for my what you're watching, I've got two. I'm going to rattle off real quick. One, I won't go too deep into, but I did see Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, don't um, say too much because I haven't yet. I won't. Well, do you want like a response? I mean, I wouldn't spoil anything. Yes. A non-spoiler response will be fine. Even a vague um, review. My Okay. Here's the vague review. Objectively speaking, it is possibly a seminal feat of action filmmaking. Wow. That's objectively speaking, mm-hmm. subjectively speaking, the trailer almost ruined it for me. Uh, interesting. I've heard that comment from more than just you uh, saying really? like, it's a real shame that the trailer was what it was. Yeah. It, which is a little weird when you consider like you barely have to create a trailer for these movies, right? It's Tom Cruise. It's mission yeah. impossible. Yeah, of course you kind of know what you're going to get. It's going to have the broadest possible appeal inherent to it. You don't need what they did, which is almost literally show you a, a, a scrap of shot from every single scene in the movie. Like, wow. it's just so unfortunate because there are several major action set pieces that, of course, the trailers don't show you the entirety of. But there was just no there weren't any surprises. There were no surprises Interesting. Other, other, okay. other than just being kind of impressed with the, the filmmaking itself. Yeah, uh, which, which again is very impressive. So I did see Mission Impossible. I would actually and here let no one hear uh, that as a knock, as much as it is a knock against the marketing. Um, sure, like it it is very worth your time at the movie theater um, on the biggest screen you can you can find. Um, the other one I want to mention real quick, um, and I don't. I'm I was actually hesitant to mention it because I don't totally know how to encapsulate my feelings about it. Okay. Um, but I did at, on my beach trip a couple of weeks ago <clears throat> where I fortunately did not get eaten by Jaws. Um, <laughs> uh, I did finally get around to watching the, at this point, extremely lauded uh, Netflix pseudo comedy special Nanette. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a. It's not New Zealand. Oh, nuts! I can't remember precisely her country of origin, but it's somewhere in there. But her name's Hannah Gatsby, and I don't totally know how to pitch this, other than that if you are a person who might consider yourself an open-minded person of faith, it might be required viewing. Interesting. Okay. Um, which isn't suggesting necessarily that you will have some sort of change of mind or change of heart, though it will attempt to do that for you. It's just, it is now on a pure, again, objective subjective here on a purely objective level, it's a masterwork in oratory and rhetoric. Mm. Yeah. I mean, she, even without you kind of realizing it, she kind of deconstructs the comedy convention, you know, the stand up sort of way of delivering uh, uh, jokes and whatnot. Sure. Um, but then subjectively speaking, it's, 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 it's as personal a piece of delivered rhetoric as you may find available mm-hmm. um you will you will possibly even though it has very little if nothing to do with god and faith uh find yourself moved to tears and and a bit like you went to church um it's mm. it's powerful it is incredibly powerful um and and i would almost be curious for people to watch it and and get a little engagement uh maybe in the facebook group or something um I personally found it incredibly moving and powerful and well worth, well worth the sort of 50 minutes that it, uh, have you seen it? I can't remember. I have not seen Nanette. And so like, it's, in, it's interesting though, because I I want to make a brief comment about two. So Hannah Gadsby, Nanette, that's on my list. Um, I want to make a brief, just sort of broad general pitch that there are three major Netflix specials. They're Netflix original properties uh, or Netflix original comedy specials that I would wholeheartedly recommend. And they're similar in they're similar in in what you have just described in terms of like they're surprisingly moving and thoughtful and and go beyond just an hour of jokes. Right. As it were. Right. Um, and so I, I don't want to dilute your recommendation for Hannah Gadsby's Nanette, but also I've referenced on the show before Dave Chappelle's special called, uh, you know, the bird revelation. Uh, I would definitely, and, and it was coupled with another one called equanimity. Um, I would wholeheartedly recommend those bird revelation is almost more like a Ted talk than it is a stand-up special, but I'd also point to, um, actually a, a coworker, uh, a co-creator of Chappelle's show with Dave Chappelle, Neil Brennan. Have you seen Neil Brennan's three mics? No. It is almost the so I don't know the structure of Nanette, but three mics flips back and forth, actively flips back and forth between personal monologues about his very troubled relationship with his father and straight up jokes and stand up specials Um, and the monologues about his father. Powerful stuff. Moving powerful affecting stuff uh the last one that i'll reference just sort of as a drive-by is uh i hope i'm saying his name correctly um it's uh hassan minaj yeah yeah, yeah yeah uh hassan minaj's special homecoming king um is very again very well put together it's structured like almost like a narrative piece it's a stand-up special but it's structured with some narrative beats and some narrative rhythms and um so 
as I almost feel like there's almost too many comedy specials on Netflix. But for those who are like, I don't even want to dive in because uh, it's just there's too much and uh, there's a, a, just a wide array of different types of comedy. I will second your recommendation for Nanette, even though I haven't seen it because I'm sure it will be outstanding. Uh, Bird Revelation by Dave Chappelle, Neil Brennan's Three Mics, and Hassan Minaj's Homecoming King. Like those are all. You, valuable, valuable hour to an hour and 15 minutes of your time. Like, really outstanding. Well, it's interesting because I actually had not planned this when I was anticipating what I would watch you watching uh, for this episode, but the content of Nanette has an eerie echo through the material we are discussing today. Interesting. Um, okay. Which is which is a... Um, <laughs> you like how I did that? That was a I pretty do. deft... That was deft, wasn't it? I De- like that I like word. Yeah, deft, yeah. A deft segue, if you will. Um, so, Reed, that has been another installment of... What you watching? Uh-huh. What you reading? Come on now. What are you... Listen to what are you, what are you, what are you? Are you? I'm asking, <laughs> are you? I'm asking, are you? Somebody tell him. Are you listening? <laughs> are you still oh <laughs> Why are you? <laughs> to... Have you that ever was seen? great. Thank you. Have you ever seen, um, there's an old Simpsons episode uh, where their um, Bleeding Gums Murphy is uh, <laughs> no. is doing the uh, the national anthem, and no. it's just great, because everybody stands up, and, and they're, they've got their hands on their hearts and everything, and he starts the national anthem, and he's all like, oh, say can you... I'm asking, can you? <laughs> and, he's just, and it's just so funny because then, like, he starts in with these all like these jazz riffs or something, and then it does like jump cuts, jump cuts where like they're standing there, and then the next cut they're all like slouching a little bit, and he's like, and I said, and and the rockets, those rockets, those fire blowing rockets, and, like he just he's like going all over, and then like by the end of it, they're all like some of them have passed out. They're <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a great bit. Wow, that's uh, really fun. All right, that's uh, so. All right, hey, so, here so we are. yeah, what? So before, 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 oh, before we forgot. get into our content, and I know we've already been going like twenty five minutes here, but uh, no, listen, it don't matter. No, li- listeners, you you know by now this is what you signed up for. So, um, but. <laughs> We have some, because we haven't tagged in on it for a couple of weeks. We did uh, like some right. jerky stuff, that's but right. we've got some results from your Fear of God we, Monster Mash. We got the results back. They weren't good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about all that. Um, so, okay. So, here's what we're going to do, and then I'm going to toss it to you. So, here's what we're going to do. Um, we are going to, some of you already know this, if you've been part of the Facebook social media groups, uh, you know, Instagram, Twitter, all that, if you've been part of that, then you already know some of these, but we are going to reveal who your final two contestants in each of the four categories were. Uh, we're going to reveal all four of those right here on this episode. Stay tuned next week to hear who your ultimate champions in those categories are. But Nathan, why don't you tell us who the finalists were for the Monsters and go ahead and tell us the humans, too. I will do that. Uh, not quite as crazy as it's been in the past, because this information's <laughs> already out there. It's not quite as exciting. But in the monsters 
category read. I know you know this, but I'm going to act like you don't, okay? Okay. It came down to the Xenomorph versus the Thing. I'm going to act surprised. The Thing won. I can't believe it. I can't believe the it. The ever-loving blue-eyed Thing. Wow. I, I thought the I, Xenomorph was going to go all the way. I really did. Like, did you? Yeah, I really did. But yeah, thing, thing I don't got, think and bodes, again, it was it was close. It was a close this, match. But this yeah, doesn't bode well for my concern that the thing's going to take it all. Did know. you not catch my Fantastic Four reference a second ago? Come on, help me out. I apologize. I um, did not. The ever loving blue eyed thing, the thing from the Fantastic Four. Um, I don't read as much Fantastic Four as you do. They're not. My it doesn't guys. matter. He's the thing. It's Michael Chiklis. You know who it is? The Kamish. Oh my gosh. All right. <laughs> uh, next in the monsters was the Predator versus the Terminator. Man, they, that's that's. I mean, ah. you don't get you don't get more eighties. You know, <laughs> it's so true. It's um, so true. The winner read. He told us he'd be back. Oh my it's gosh! The Terminator. Oh it's my the Terminator. Gosh. The final, I... the final two of the monsters going head to head to be announced next week. There's the thing versus the Terminator. Oh my gosh! I don't. Uh, that's, that's crazy. That's a, that's pretty wicked. I never would have picked when we started this whole thing. I might. I, I I thought the thing stood a chance. I never would have picked Terminator to be in the finals. Never would have picked him to be in the finals. Maybe because um, that's because he's traditionally a sci-fi icon and not a horror one. Per- but, perhaps that hey. first one. I I still contest that the very first Terminator, probably not Terminator Two or any of the sequels, but the very first Terminator is a straight up horror film. Yes, with science fiction conventions. But the first Terminator is undeniably a horror film. Interesting. Absolutely. We can, we can dismantle that at some point. Um, next, read. So that was the monsters, the humans category. There are some pretty, um, hmm. pretty, pretty stout candidates here at the end. It, it, the last two pairings here were Hannibal Lecter and the Zodiac Killer. Mm, okay. okay. Zodiac Killer, so, a bit of a dark horse. Yeah, but... Uh, like all good dark horses, he jumped over the side of the ferry and got rotored to death by the uh, <laughs> propeller. The winner is Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> Hannibal Lecter ate wow. the Zodiac Killer. Wow. Um, oh you know, and, and Robert Downey Jr. and Mark Ruffalo rejoiced. Um, and wow. Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> um, the second pairing was Carrie White versus Damien. Reed, I must admit a bit of nervousness about this because you know. I know. Uh, I want Carrie to take it all. I want I her to go. All the way. All the way to the top. It is, it is the era of Me Too. Carrie deserves <laughs> that crown. She Man just it. made Fear of God Monster Mash political. <laughs> um, just, dropped the, just dropped the politics. Um, so, Carrie White versus Damien. Is he or is he not the son of Satan? Read. Carrie won. Yeah! She did it. I was she really rooting it. for her in that pairing. I, I was really rooting for her. I know. Her. So, yeah. next week, it's going to be The Thing versus The Terminator. And Hannibal Lecter versus Carrie White. Oh my That's gosh! That's intense. That's a That's crazy intense. matchup. I want to see. Do you those have some? Sh- do you have some to share? I do. Let me go ahead and give okay. it. No, let me go ahead and give the slashers and the spirits category. So in the slashers, we had it came down to Jason Voorhees, which I think everybody kind of expected him to go a long way. <laughs> I just uh, heard you as Arnold Schwarzenegger saying that because <laughs> 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 the other one didn't need to see so bad. Um, <laughs> So, um, but the surprise, the dark horse candidate in the slashers was Pinhead going way farther than I expected him to go. Um, but Jason Voorhees versus Pinhead and Jason took it. That, that really did not, that really did not surprise me. Jason, Jason overtook it. Um, and then the next fun about what is fun about this. Yeah. True, true co-host confession time. 
you, you post, we, we post a lot of stuff. There's a lot sure, of life going sure, on. Sure. I don't totally pick up on who's won what. So this is actually a little bit of news to me. You've told it to me, but like this oh, time it's, it is like truly registering. So oh, yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. Jason took out Pinhead, which Jason, makes me happy because Pinhead scares me. Okay. Yeah. Jason took out Pinhead. Um, and then the next in the slashers category was Chucky, a little child's play going up against the tall man. So we had the short man <laughs> going up against the tall man from Phantasm. Tall man from Phantasm showing much greater than I ever expected him to, but. By a nose, he lost to Chucky. Chucky a little tiny, yeah, yeah. little tiny murder nose. Chucky, Chucky got the better of him. Just uh, so very, it's going to be bare, Chucky but. versus who? So it's going to be Chucky versus Jason Voorhees, which again, kind of like the Terminator, I never expected Chucky in the slashers category to go this far. Never expected him to be that. Has that heavy. I, I mean, I'm, I don't really want to watch them if they're they do exist, but has Chucky done any sort of crossover films like the other characters have? No crossover films. No. Yeah. No. He's yeah. He's he's had like seven. Se- uh, there's six sequels, so there's like that's, seven films in the Child's Play franchise. That's ridiculous. Um, they did steer pretty heavy and hard into camp slash self-parody towards towards the end but yeah i mean some of them are are quite fun i I like especially the first couple i like quite a bit um i I even have some fondness for bride of chucky i think bride of chucky is pretty fun um but okay so now moving on to the spirits category so uh fate slash death from final destination was going up against it follows the the monster with no name but whom we have lovingly and affectionately oh, he's got dubbed. a name he's he has a name say his name is, <laughs> is uh, our, our own jimmy jimmy to us so jimmy from it follows versus fate from final destination fate or death however you term it Jimmy for the win! Yeah! Of course he did. There's no other outcome that will be satisfactory. That's right. Um, And then we had the the from rosemary's baby we had the devil himself going up against uh from the cabin in the woods the ancient ones and (laughs) i tell you man to my surprise dude the ancient ones have just been taking everything ancient ones weird i know ancient ones took yeah ancient ones won this they knocked out the devil from rosemary's baby i mean the ancient ones i'm just kind of like floored at this point i know they continue they continue to just like have a really really strong showing so that means that next week uh in the spirits category it is going to be our very own uh not to sway you but our very own jimmy from it (laughs) jimmy from it follows going up against the ancient ones from cabin in the woods so so those those are your if, four finalists. If, all right, up. listen, Reed. Right now on the air, if Jimmy wins, you've got to sample in the "It Follows" break corpsing that we do. <laughs> we oh just, my god! Okay, yes. all right, we'll see, we'll see. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is your voted on Monster Mash, Fear of God Monster Mash pairings. So yeah, tune in next week to see who your four champions are in each of these categories. There will be a champion for each category, but there will be. One ultimate champion rising to the top of the fear of God monster mesh. There can be only one. One, th- one thing to rule them all. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I know. I know. So, Reed. All right. Awesome. Monster mesh. Uh, uh, most of our listeners who pay attention, unlike their friendly neighborhood co-host, already knew some of that information, but that is good to catch up on. Um, Reed, let's do it. We, are, we have delayed too long uh, to mm. jump into... 
You know what? I didn't even pay attention to what year this was out. It's in the early 2000s, right? It is actually, um, so I, I, some sites said 99 and some sites said 2000. So I honestly don't know which it was. I believe it was made and maybe released for distribution like in 99 and then had wide release in 2000. I can't remember exactly when, but some You know what's interesting about you saying that is uh, iTunes about a week ago had a bunch of bundled movies and one of them was like, you know, signature 2000s. I do think this was in that. So it may yeah. be like right over in that line. Although, sure. yeah, super strangely, it had Titan AE in the seminal 2000. What? Like nobody thinks that. No. Um, no. Even the people who made Titan AE don't think it's, uh, you know, <laughs> they're like, y'all like, knew this was made? Seminal's a little strong. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, right? Like, I mean, We'll take it, but I think you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> so glad. It's like, hey, if you give us the rights, will you call a seminal on the air and put us in? Right, your- right, right. Awesome. But we are talking about, I believe her name is Mary Heron. Mary Heron. Yep. Okay. We are talking about the, is it 99? Is it 2000? Mary Heron directed, adapted from Brett Easton Ellis's book, American Psycho, starring Christian Bale, amongst a slew of other to be popular and already well careered white dudes um (laughs) so i'm gonna throw this at you did you know that this was very interesting to me and it made a ton of sense that cronenberg was initially sought to direct this um i did i did read that yeah and i and i heard ironically that part of the reason why he eventually left the project is that he did not want to film a lot of the violence and there's two reasons that surprises me number one I don't feel it's David Cronenberg. Well, yeah. Number one is like, have you watched The Fly? Have you watched Rabbit? Like, dude, Cronenberg is not at all shy about graphic depictions of things happening on the video drum. Like, come on. But the second thing is, and, and we'll get into this when we get into the film proper. But I, uh, I don't consider this to be a very like. There's not that many graphic depictions of the violence that you see. There's some, but that's it's, true. That's it's, true. There's would, not a I lot would. of like. It doesn't relish in the gore. Like, no, no, I mean, but no, from I, my standards. I, I think I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, you are a crazy person. And <laughs> <laughs> well, but interestingly, so, so then this is just a fascinating sort of story here. Oliver Stone was set to direct DiCaprio. I had heard that. And yeah. then Leo bailed for the beach. Uh, not literally the beach like the 2000 right, film yes exactly, exactly. <laughs> he's, just, he's just like guys i'm going to ventura Either way, I'll see uh, you, later. you know what ah uh, peace out you know <laughs> uh, um uh another fun little trivial bit i found was that christian bale once he did finally get the role he was struggling with it until he noticed tom cruise in an interview on letterman and he Ooh. was struck listen to this he was struck by Cruz's energy and, quote, intense friendliness with nothing behind the eyes. Isn't, isn't that wild? That's a, like that's that's either a backhanded compliment or like a low key shade. Like, I don't know exactly or what that both? is. Maybe both. Maybe both simultaneously. Low key shady compliment. My, um, so quick note about that. Yeah. My wife has briefly met Tom Cruise. I have not. But my wife has briefly met Tom Cruise. And she said he was extremely friendly. She didn't talk well, about an emptiness well, behind his sure, eyes, but she said he sure. was, was extremely friendly. I can I can picture it now. Mission Impossible, American Psycho. Yeah. When Ethan Hunt finally, finally snaps. <laughs> Quick to the typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> and he and Bing Rames and Simon Pegg go on a 
international killing spree. Oh my god! The likes of the likes of which action movies have never seen. That's awesome. Um, that's that's my that's my bits, Reed. All right. Well, yeah. Um, it's funny. I think I think the only major trivial bits that I would have this is surprising. Okay, surprisingly, this is a novel that I have not read. Um, I say that surprisingly you know because I've read yeah, all the rest. Yeah, that was I was gonna yeah. say that's a little bit of a shade. That's a little yeah. bit of a read, lackey. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. You know what? This is that one. I mean, this is that one. I the, have not. The I have day read everything else. The but day was going to come when we found it. And why I'm did we both suddenly show. just affect Barack Obama? <laughs> <laughs> this was oh. that one. That was just my impression is very bad. Let's pour um, out a cold one. <laughs> <laughs> what? He didn't die. Um, so uh, basically. Well, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, but basically, um, and the reason I'm pointing that out is because supposedly the, <laughs> the novel is much more graphic than the film is and much more controversial because of some of the specifics of those violent scenes. Uh, just a few that I've heard about. I do know that his confession at the end. So when he's rattling off to his lawyer, his, which we'll right. get to later, when he's rattling off all the things that he has done, everything that he references in those moments are things that were done by that character in the novel and were not done by that character in the in the movie, with the exception of the chainsaw thing. So everything, if, if, if viewers of this film were like, wait a second, he didn't do all that stuff, those are things that the character in the novel did. So, That's but, interesting. But yeah, the novel, and, and I read through a few of them. I'm not going to recite them all here because they are pretty disturbing and upsetting. But uh, yeah, the novel has some very prolonged, extended, graphic, violent murders um, in it. Uh, so yeah, that's... Well, how that's do you know? You, it's the one novel you've never read. It's your... I know. You but know, listen, but I read your, the synopsis your, of it's, it. It's, it's your Our Mutual Friend. You like that? <laughs> yeah, that I do like that. That is a deep cut. I like those deep cut lofts references. Yes, I love them. Yes, I love you're them. welcome. Um, all right. Well, cool. I, I, there's a little bit of uh, bits we could trivialize about the soundtrack. I don't feel like it's really that interesting, but okay, I do sure. love this soundtrack. Um, and for the sake of time, you feel like just jump, jumping into the, the gore here? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and dive into likes, dislikes. I love, well, okay, before we quite get there. So I had seen American Psycho before. Gosh, I don't, it's been at least since 2000. <laughs> oh, really? You didn't watch the 2000 film in 1994? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Um, no. Uh, so I had seen it before and I think the first time I saw it, I just, I didn't know what to do with it. Like, and it was probably during the Nolan Batman trilogy that I watched it because I was probably on a bail kick and watching his back catalog uh, is probably what that gotcha. was. And, and I was just really like kind of confused. I'm like, I don't know what to make of this. It was probably a big turnoff that said, I do remember watching. So I watched the film and then I started watching the behind the scenes on the DVD and it really softened me to the piece. In a way that I was like, okay, wow, this is actually much more interesting than I initially gave it credit for. Um, again, that was six, seven, eight years ago. Speaking of Nolan Batman, did you know this is the 10th anniversary of Dark Knight? For real? It came yep. out the same year as Iron Man? I did not recall that. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was wow. a huge year. Wow, that's um, crazy. Anyway, so when I rewatched it for the podcast, I was just kind of blown away. I was like, man, mm -hmm. this is... Because, you know, that first viewing is so jarring. Like, sure. if you don't know what to expect, it's like, am I supposed to be laughing? Is this, this is really disgusting. Um, yeah. 
you know, and so then once you kind of get, I think actually texted you this, like if you can get on the, the wavelength, which is a little admittedly difficult if you, if this is your first viewing, but if you can find the wavelength, it is as impressive as it is repulsive. I think. Yeah. Oh, Um, I I wholeheartedly agree. It's anyway. So that, that's kind of my, what, what's, what's your kind of journey with, with the film? I I know you, I know you haven't read the book. I mean, I know surprisingly it's, it's the one I haven't read. So, um, but basically like I, uh, it's very similar to yours. Your comment about didn't quite know what to make of it. That's that was almost my exact thought the first time that I saw it. I didn't quite know what to make of it. I garnered this was only my third time seeing it. So the first time I saw it, uh, I I really didn't know what to make of it. And to be honest with you, I don't think I liked it very much. I said like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't really get it, and like sort of passed, you know, brushed it off. Second time around, I agree with you about like if you can get on board with the wavelength. The second time I watched it, I was much more palatable to what it was trying to do, or at least what I thought it was trying to do. And then this viewing for the show uh, just further solidified like, yeah, this is in in many many ways, this is a very um, provocative and intentional and I think at times brilliant film. Um, so yeah, my, my, my affection for it is firmly solidified by this third viewing. I don't know how many times I'll revisit it for sure, entertainment sure. value, but yeah. in terms of my respect for the material, it's, it's extreme right now. I think it's Which, very good. I'm with you. Like as a whole, it's hard to argue. There's, it is entertaining. That said, again, if you're on its wavelength, which is a really, really dark dark place yeah, yeah. um it, it's hysterical like there's lots of comedy in it yes I absolutely mean, i mean some of the deliveries the line deliveries christian bale is gonzo in this he's movie. staggering in this like i was even watching this thinking i have been impressed with him in almost everything but i think this might still be his finest performance the this level of commitment he exercises to this material is yeah, absolutely unreal. yes Yes. Um, let's do this. I'm going to throw a big curveball at you here. Okay, sure. Okay, well, real quick, in order to throw this curveball, I've got to walk to the pitcher's mound, um, which is I'm a, really getting a visual baseball here. reference um, <laughs> to to Wrigley Field. What did Jeremy say? Where's where's where Wrigley Field? It's what's been the Boston. Chicago one? What's it's the in, what's the Chicago one? I don't know. I don't follow sports, but I don't <laughs> pretend to either. <laughs> This is amazing. I don't know. There's so much meta narrative happening in this immediate moment. <laughs> Screw you, Jeremy. I'm just kidding. You're the best. Anyway, I was. I'm not even going to bother with the the sports uh, mansplain to read. Uh, you know, it's it should be self explanatory, but it's read you guys. Um. So, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Um. So before I get to that big curveball, brief synopsis. If you're not going to watch this movie, and I don't totally blame you if you choose not to watch this movie, it is. It's graphic. Um. It's intense. It is very dark. Yeah. But um, it's about 80s Wall Street dude bros um, <laughs> making money, going nuts. It's kind of like I haven't actually haven't seen Wolf of Wall Street, but I think if Wolf of Wall Street were like an intense black comedy about murder, maybe something like that. Yeah. Um, again, I'm speaking tonally. I don't I haven't seen Wolf of Wall Street, but where Christian Bale starts acting out. In, in homicidal ways. Um, and it intensifies as the movie goes along. I'm, this is a, a real simplification here. Jared Leto, you've got Batman versus the Joker. Um, wow. Uh, uh, gets taken out early in the film by 
uh, Christian Bale's character, uh, Patrick Bateman. Patrick Patrick Bateman. Patrick Bateman. <laughs> By Patrick um, Bateman. <laughs> well, so so I'm going to cut to the end here. So he does all these terrible homicidal things. He kills a ton of people um, in graphic and and wild ways. And at the end, he gets kind of overcome. You might say overcome with um, uh, guilt ish, and calls his lawyer um, and spills all these beans. And then, so this is the curveball I want to throw at you. I'm I'm kind of saying. I'm not saying let's ignore likes, dislikes, likes, dislikes. I'm not saying let's ignore likes, dislikes, and scares. Um, But I, but I want to talk about this because let's just follow the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't know what to do with it. What, what, what do you make of the end? Like, because I'm sorry. And, and for listeners, again, if you're not going to watch it, he makes this big confession uh, via phone call to a lawyer uh, 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 confessing to Jared Leto's murder well, then he sees that same lawyer at the very end of the movie in a restaurant and he goes up to him and it's one of the only moments of real humanity Bale's character shows in the film. And he's like, hey, it's me. Did you, you know, like, it's me. I did it. I did all this stuff. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? You know, that's, you, you can't mm. have done that. And he's like, no, 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 really. I did. I did. Please. You know, I did. Uh, and he's like, no, you didn't. And he, the lawyer starts getting freaked out and he's like, no, I really did. Finally, the lawyer's like, I just had lunch in Paris or London with Jared Leto, you can't have murdered him. So the movie ends in this sort of unresolved narrative place. And I'm asking you, my co-host, this is the curveball I'm throwing at you uh, in terms of the conversation is like, what are you, what do you think we're meant to take away from that? Not because I'm prepping you to counter. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure mm-hmm. what we're supposed to sort of intuit from that. There's three possible options. Number one, he did it. Patrick Bateman did it all, and he did everything, and this lawyer, who clearly doesn't even know who Patrick Bateman is because he's talking sure, to him and talking sure. about him in the third person, this lawyer never had lunch with Paul Allen in London. He had lunch with somebody else and didn't, and, and it's just this lawyer is completely off the rockers. That's option one, is he did it and all that other sort of stuff. Um, the second option, uh, at the other extreme, is that all of what you have been seeing was in Christian Bale's head, Patrick Bateman's sure. head, right, right, um, right? And that there was no, um, there were no murders, there were no homicidal acting out, uh, none of that. That all of that was just in his head. Um, and then the third, uh, kind of a kind of a half option is maybe some things did happen that Patrick Bateman sort of inserted himself into maybe other things did happen. Like maybe Paul Allen really did go to London, but Patrick Bateman sort of inserted himself in this narrative where he actually killed him and, and, you know, set up that he was going to London. Maybe these things are coinciding, uh, that it's not all in his head, that there are some impulses. Maybe he sees a dead homeless guy and imagines that he's killed him. Maybe all of these other sorts of things, um, that there's sort of, uh, prompts in his, in his mind, but that he's not actually as important and as valuable. To me, I think. Is there a, can I throw another option at you? Yeah, this sure. is just, I'm, I'm processing in the moment. So this yeah. isn't like I, I prepped this. Is there a world, um, this is a random phrase. Do you know the phrase Occam's razor? I learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Occam's razor, the simplest solution is probably the truth. Right. Well, so I'm trying to figure out what the simplest solution here is in this situation. And something that just came to me is a sort of in line with your both and scenario that Mm. what if another option is 
I, I do think it's, to me, it would be a stretch if he actually was not doing anything. If all of this is in his head, I think that's a little bit of a stretch and, and sort of requires a lot of gymnastics to find that as the real narrative to me. But it is clear it's meant to position that the story is meant to position him as suffering extreme, not just delusions of grandeur, mental illness, you know, uh, psychosis, um, as the, as the title implies, um, psychosexual impulses, homicidal impulses. So, so all of that is a swirl. There's part of me that it would make sense. What if he fantasized killing Paul Allen, Jared Leto's character, actually did kill someone but it wasn't him you know what i mean like oh yeah 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 that i could sort of buy so so the whole the literal action you see on screen more or less happens but he kind of fantasized that instead of this random person it was actually paul i could sort of see that too yeah the and i feel like uh the the ending is intentionally supposed to evoke thought and provoke questions um i feel like there's an illusory quality to the theme that it's that is very definitely trying to uh, he says very early on in the film he says there is an idea of a patrick bateman uh, right and and i think that's a very intentional sort of tip to try to understand where the film goes when he says there's an idea of himself some sort of abstraction i think that you may be onto something with hey these are actual things that he's doing or actual things that he's acting out in. But even in the midst of him actually doing, doing these heinous things, it, he's not doing them to the people or to the ends that he thinks he's doing them as. And he's not, uh, he's not getting the satisfaction that he really needs to, or wants to from acting on these impulses. Um, so I would, I would be in line with something like that. Well, and also, you know, you you briefly alluded to this. I'll, I'll more flesh it out a little bit. There is also this theme that wouldn't be it wasn't on my themes list, but and and I don't want to dive fully into that yet. But there is very much a I won't call it an identity theme per se, as much as a um, persona, a, a sort of id ego kind of thing. Yes, for instance, oh, yes. like there is. Uh, he adopts multiple names throughout the movie. You reference yes. the lawyer. You say he doesn't recognize Patrick Bateman because he's telling him, well, you don't, that's, you don't know me as him. I, I'm actually been so-and-so that's who I've been interacting with you as. So there's a ton of that yeah. that goes on. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a fascinating film. It, again, it is a hard R. So if you haven't seen this and you're intrigued, yes. just know, I mean, it is, it's, it's graphic. It's bloody. There's some, there's not sexual violence per se, but it is, there's a very sexualized element to it. There's um, one scene of pretty, I mean, it, it's, it's mostly covered by a bed sheet, but oh, there's, yeah, there's one yeah, scene that, yeah, that, that yeah. pretty much is. I had, I had intentionally blocked that out. And yeah. Just, yeah. Most of what you, most of what is, is on screen is, is obscured by a bed sheet, but it's, it's implied enough what happens. Yeah. Yes, that's it's terrible. It's terrible. That's awful. Um, but I will say, so like you, you mentioned this idea of this persona. Um, I, I keep going back to, to me, the most memorable scene in the film is the, business card exchange the show god it's amazing when they're and and that scene is so rich and powerful and it is i mean and for listeners who have not seen this film the on paper description of the scene is merely four 
you know, VPs, it's kind of what I was calling out to in the very beginning of the episode, but uh, four VPs show each other their newly printed business cards. And inside that very simple description of the scene is wrapped up so many elements of ego and and, and representation and uh, status and the need to be better than the person in front of you and the need to uh, even not even just the need to be better than the person in front of you, but the need for the person in front of you to not have anything for you to have everything right, and for them right. to be utterly inept. And uh, and that, you know, it, it plays out in this way where and this is what's brilliant about Christian Bale's performance. You see him very steadily unravel as the scene progresses. But he doesn't do anything terribly outlandish in the scene. He doesn't have a major outburst in the scene. But you can feel every inch of the restraint his character is having to force himself to do. When he asks the question, I can't even replicate it right now, but when he asks the question, let's see Paul Allen's card, he sounds like he's on the verge of a nervous breakdown. He's, he sounds like he is about to flip out on everybody. Um, and it's it's a powerful, he's amazing. And impressive scene. He's amazing. Yes. Yeah, it's stunning. It would, be a fa- it would be a fascinating just sort of like academic acting slash filmmaking workshop to just watch a restrained scene of him in this movie up against the Huey Lewis scene. I mean, it is... Oh, my gosh. Did you know when he... Back to Trivial Bits for a moment. Did you know that... When he is turning on, he's having this whole diatribe about the Huey Lewis and like, oh, I think this album was <laughs> their amazing. best and they really came into their own and everything. And then when he turns it up and he's walking back to actually finally obtain the axe, when he does that little dance, that was utterly spontaneous. That was Bale doing that on the moment, no direction. He did that. He never rehearsed it that it. way. He, was... he did it very spontaneously. And they used that take, but as soon as they yelled cut, everybody on set, including the director, cracked up. Like they could not... Hold I mean, it together. He, he was sold out. It was oh, amazing. Man. Yeah. You well, mentioned I, I his lo- commitment. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's staggering. I jokingly referenced this earlier. <laughs> I love this. I love the music they use in this movie so much. Oh, it's so fantastic. I mean, his whole his whole speech about Phil Collins is just like, I was like, daggum, I love Phil Collins well, when so he much. Just turns, <laughs> when he just turns a CD around, like he starts one more night and then he just turns around and is like, do you like Phil Collins? I'm like, oh my God. This, this is so fantastic. <laughs> Oh, well, let's, all right, let's, 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 um, you know, skip across the water here of just some, some pieces we did enjoy. Um, I mean, I, I, this is a murderer's row of casting. My goodness. Oh, it really Um, is. Yeah. Justin, I I actually, I've I've grown to not care for Leto, which is partly his fault, partly his, you know, the casting agent of Suicide Squad's fault. Um, Mm. but it can't be argued. He is, he is talented. So you got Leto. Yeah. You just said Josh Lucas, Willem Dafoe, Justin Thoreau. I mean Reese Witherspoon. Um, yeah. I feel Samantha like Samantha Somebody. Who is she? She's uh oh gosh, what is her character's name in this? She's the one that he's sleeping with, but who's really dating Justin? Oh Durant. yeah, okay, yeah, I recognize. Oh no, 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 no. She's no, engaged she's to the Nebish guy. The Nebish guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then also um, Chloe Sevigny is in this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's Chloe this... Savini, but I don't know. What do I know? Uh, I get names wrong all the time. And you've read every book but this one, so I'm probably right on this one. Um, Let's calm down on the whole <laughs> Just playing with you. Um, I will say maybe – I will not contextualize it. Maybe one of the worst lines in any movie ever uh, is don't just stare at it, eat it. I mean, that's it's terrible. It's terrible. Uh, uh, yes. It's terrible. I'm glad it's you're terrible. not describing the context. I'm not. I won't. And I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't. Yes. Um, yeah. I loved the opening scene 
of the the quote unquote bloody opening shot is what I call it the fruit jam. Yes, dripping as blood. Yes. That's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's absolutely. Which is genius. probably listen to this happening in real time, which is probably a thematic reference to the appearance of things versus the reality of things. Oh um, wow, wow, wow! What are you gonna okay. do? Yeah. Um, what about some scares? Let's this. This is a. This is a, well. I didn't get my likes, dislikes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Skipping. Well, you, so weren't, you weren't throwing in. You weren't throwing so, in. So I well, thought I maybe you didn't have turn. anything. No, I'm sorry. Take turn. your no, turn. No, okay. Take your turn, Reed. All right. So uh, I love the line where Reese Witherspoon asks him, "I don't know why you don't quit." And then he looks at her and says, "Because mm-hmm. I want to fit in." Perhaps more on that in themes. So uh, I love. There's so many speeches in this film. The script is brilliant, but I love there's so many speeches in here. My favorite is probably Bateman's speech, like near the early part about what they need to do. He's like, we need to do this while we're, uh, you know, championing equal rights. And then also the, the equality oh, of yeah, women. Yeah, yeah. And he's, yeah. and he said, we need to take care of the homeless in Sri Lanka or whatever it is. Like he's, he's rattling off all these sort of political staples. I so badly want to just keep hopping back and forth to themes, but it's so representative of how of just lip service. That's all it is. It's it's a it's a textbook stream of soundbite lip service to things he could not care less about. And and it's it's brilliant. I love that. Uh, did you catch on the way to their dinner reservation that he looks out the car and says, "Is this Donald Trump's car?" Of course I did. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. Or I think he says, "Is that Donald Trump's car?" Um, I I wrote down here like every scene is worth discussion. Like every single. moment in this we could probably do like a major commentary on this we could do a deep dissection of every single scene in this movie i don't think we're going to get to everything in this conversation because it's so massive and it's so deep and and there's a lot going on in every single scene sometimes even just in the background of a scene um oh i love this where he's carrying paul allen's body down to the <laughs> and then the that nebbish guy we keep referencing. I'm sorry that I don't remember his name, but uh, but he looks at him and he's like, and uh, and he says uh, he says, hey, you know, Patrick, you know, how are you doing? And and then he looks right at him and he says, oh, his name is Lewis. He looks right at him and says, no, Lewis, it's not me. You're mistaken. I just love that. <laughs> He's like, it's not me. You're mistaken. Like, right. I, I love how he says it's not me. It's just like, oh, it's right. So great. But yeah. then he look. Then Lewis looks down and gasps at the body he's about to be putting in the trunk. And when he's he's looking down there, he goes, <gasps> and he goes, I forget what what designer, but he's like, is that Versace or whatever it is? Like he's he comments on the designer of the yes, bag, the bag, not yeah. the fact that he's clearly stuffing a body into the trunk i thought that was so fantastic i mean it's it's dark but it was so fantastic um uh three more things uh first is uh, the recurring use of the walkman is just brilliant like i love how he's just constantly got sure. that walkman on it reminded me how maybe you know we're not that far removed maybe the walkman was the precursor to our cell phones and how attached we are to all of that i just loved some of the imagery there uh, that constant distraction um this is a subtle little thing but the 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 prostitutes, the escorts that he brings up, um, and he's talking to them, and he's talking about like, do you want to ask me what I do, or do you know what I do, you know, and things like that. I love how utterly unimpressed they are. Like yeah. they're they're just so could not be less interested in his status or who he is or or what he wants to try to enamor them with. Um, and then my final note is just simply, I love Phil Collins. I do not like Susudio. I cannot stand that song. Really? I cannot That's stand that song. That's a great song. song. No, I cannot stand that song. I love Phil Collins, but I can't stand that song. Oh, oh, 
Don't start. No, 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 don't start. No, 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 no. That's not allowed. That's not allowed. Try getting a reservation at Dorsey and now, you mother. Oh, man. So good. I don't even. So those are my likes, dislikes. I feel like this is. I don't even know how to talk about all of this. Um, scared. It, so it's tough. yeah, it is tough. Um, one thing I wrote. I mean, I've got several things on here, of course, but one thing I wrote is how Christian Bale. So the Huey Lewis scene we're referring to, he murders uh, Paul Allen's character, maybe uh, murders somebody, and it's this over the top carnival barker sort of exuberance he's displaying during this whole scene. Yeah. And then almost probably the scariest part of it is how he turns it off. So completely at the end of that scene, it is intense and terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Ditto. I mean, that's the, it's like, there's uh, his, I think any other actor in this, in this role would not have, I mean, it's difficult to play those sort of, mind games but christian bale brings something something unnatural to this role like he's he maybe it's just his commitment level his talent combined with his commitment level but there he he's able to flip back and forth i love the scene in the um uh in the laundromat where He's he's clearly just like wigging oh, out. Oh yeah, but, yeah. But his expression of wigging out, he like does that little robot. Day, I can't understand what you're saying. You know, and, <laughs> and it's. I mean, he, the way he expresses his own mania transmits so many different ways throughout the film. It's it's nuts. He's he's probably well crazy. Yes. Well, and and some of this can be illustrated too by I think it's I think it might be the opening scene narration. Uh, I wrote it down on theme with little commentary so I can share it here, but it just says, he says, there is no real me. Right. I sim- I simply am not there. So, mm-hmm. you know, Bale, the performer, totally inhabits this shell that's pretending to be a human that happens to have extreme homicidal tendencies. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a wildly layered performance. And it's funny you mention him. I'm with you. So, confession time. I I kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. He is not a draw for me at all. Like, sure, I understand. He, he would he you know if if he's in something, I am not compelled. Which which sounds dismissive. I don't even mean it be, be derisive. I've just he the roles when I've seen him disregarding something like Gilbert Grape, which yes does feel a bit transcendent. Um, sure, sure. But his adult roles always have felt a little showy to me in performance. Now okay, that might yeah. be, that might be me. That might be him. So it is difficult for me to even envision DiCaprio in this role because I think he would play it. He would ham it a bit more yeah. in how I would perceive his performance. Christian Bale, you never get a sense of winking nope. or of there being an end joke that he's sharing with you. You get the sense of this dude is jacked in the head. Absolutely. And, and doesn't a either realize it or b care, right? I totally agree. And man, it's intense. I'm scanning my scares list here. A lot of these just kind of play into thematic ideas. I did write the first five minutes when he cusses out the bartender when her back is turned is is your first glimpse of like, wait a minute, What's something's not here? right. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. Um, I you alluded to this 
probably I can sort of leave it here, but it, it initiates the scene. The sequence initiates with what I called sex from hell. Um, and mm, then yeah. the, the third member of their triumvirate witnessing that and sneaking away to discover oh. all these bodies, which culminates in the chainsaw scene, which hear me like as, <laughs> as far as horror filmmaking goes, that sequence is pff, insane. I mean, it's, oh, yeah, it absolutely. Yes. should, uh, at least for me personally, now I, I don't have the oeuvre you do, but it would probably rank in terms of impressive horror movie sequences in probably a top 10 for just sheer mm. audacity, you know, of, of execution and just choreography and narrative impact. So I mean, it's crazy. insane, but that's, yes. that would be, that one would probably be the summation of my sort of scares stuff for this. Sure. Story. Sure. I didn't write down any specific scares and I think everything that does unsettle, disturb or upset me is related to the thematic and symbolic content of the film. Um, but that scene specifically, that chainsaw scene um, is just, is crazy. It's crazy that she's running down the hall screaming bloody murder and nobody opens their door either. And it's very difficult to believe that there is literally nobody else in this building. So that's, what's even more chilling about it. You're hearing a massive chainsaw. She's screaming. He's running naked after her and th there's nothing. There's nobody else. He's so bold and unabashedly chasing after her with this chainsaw and, and there's nobody. It, I mean, it did remind me a bit of like, or I thought of uh, Laurie Strode in Halloween running from house to house, but at least in those shots in Halloween, Laurie Strode's running from house to house and somebody turns the light on, looks out and then actively makes sure. a choice to yeah. ignore. But in this one, you don't, I don't know because nobody opens a door. Nobody looks out. Nobody clicks a light. There's nothing. She's, there's just all of this noise and all of this terror happening. And we don't know if anybody's, there or not or if they're just that oblivious and i don't know if what's intended by the scene is that they are the, I, I think part of what i take from it is that the there are people in this building but they are literally that oblivious to what is going on in the world just beyond their door that they don't pay attention to screaming and the sound of a chainsaw and a naked man running through their hallways like that, that they are just that absorbed in themselves and in their own world that they would not pay attention to even something as overt and in their face as that. Um, and it's uh, and then, yeah, it's just chilling. But I think but I think, yeah. And let's. Are you open to uh, entering the revolving Absolutely. hotel yeah. door here? Yeah. Um, I yeah, think what you're identifying, this this would not top my themes list. I, I feel I'm like I'm staring at it and there's like, we don't have the two and a half hours it would take to get through all of this. Um, <laughs> I do think there's a thread of kind of isolation. Um, one thing I wrote down is appearance versus substance. Um, mm. Like this mm. movie is all about the the literal surface of a thing right with with nothing beneath it um yeah, and if you if you take that in the scene you're talking about uh, so i'm, I'm going to juxtapose two themes here there's the appearance versus substance and then there's listening there's so many scenes dude where people are saying things and not and they're even their scene partners don't even register what has been right said. oh absolutely yes and it's a fascinating sort of 
Um, I think like if anyone, you particular, my, my own scene partner here are sensing like, is Nathan okay? Like I feel, I, I, I feel like I've got a giant dinosaur in front of me and I'm trying to figure out even how to like wrestle it down. And I want Where to, to start. do, right, right, right. I want to do kind of justice what I feel like I, I took away from this and also remember that we explore, not explain. And the, you know, it's the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. Um, you like Good all job. that? Good like job. That? Yes. Like it. I like it a lot. Um, can I just talk a minute? Yeah, 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 yeah. Get, but get I some want of those, you to get, get some of those thoughts yeah, out. It's, it's I don't like, feel it's it's like burbling and gurgling. No, no, you go, you go right ahead. I will yield. I will gladly yield. Um, the the only black man in this movie is murdered in an alley, and he's homeless. And homeless, yeah. Mm-hmm. The only real women in this movie are trophies uh secretaries or hookers or sex objects Mm -hmm. it is weird to me i'm finding myself strangely emotional trying to walk into this conversation um i'm going to talk about a thing objectively and then i'm going to try to anchor it to the personal because that's the only place matters of faith can really take root and matter um i think it's really weird and i had a really profound sort of engagement with this movie set in the eighties in 2018 America. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'd wrote down some lines. I'm going to rattle off some of these. You joked about it earlier. Murders and executions over mergers and acquisitions. Mm, Right. Right. To the homeless guy after he murders him. Why don't you get a job? I don't have Mm. anything in common with you. On the phone with the lawyer at the end, riddled with apparent grief, I'm a guess I'm a pretty sick guy. Mm. I do not hope for a better world for anyone. I want to inflict my pain on others. Mm. This is a really interesting line Justin Thoreau says at the end. It really fascinated me talking about he's watching footage of Ronald Reagan that I'm sure is probably some famous footage that I didn't know the context for. But he sort of incredulously of Reagan says, how can he lie like that? Mm -hmm. which is amazing and interesting there's uh another line this at the very end this confession has meant nothing Mm -hmm. Um, and one of these lines is not like the others read what i wrote down is i could shoot someone on fifth avenue and Mm. not lose any voters Mm. and dude i was so arrested by this movie i was like the darkest of our demons and the things we can perpetrate to each other in the name of, I don't know, self-aggrandizement, pursuit of power, Mm. status. I mean, you illustrated it with the line, I just want to fit in. Yeah. Um, Again, I'm going to make some objective comments here and try to tie it into subjectivity. That line, this confession has meant nothing. I don't know if you had this listener. It's going to be political here for a minute. We're going to tie it back into ideally and Reed will by the spirit control his friend. Um, (laughs) uh, This confession has meant nothing that could not have been a better statement for the green screened quote unquote apology following the access Hollywood released tape in November of 2016. Do you remember this? Did you watch this? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it. Yeah. 
I, I couldn't have felt that more palpably in that moment. And, and hear me, someone could be like, oh my God, Nathan's about to go on a Donald Trump rant, maybe. But what I'm really ranting about is artifice. Yes. Is roses on the surface and decay and cancer beneath it. Yeah. Things I wrote down as I thought through thematic ideas for this movie is what do rampant displays of willful egregious behavior in the name of exerting control and power have to say to us? Mm -hmm. Read something that really bubbled up to me watching this and thinking about what I would, and let's take the president in isolation and sort of ignore the ripple of administration and things like that. A, a, a person in the, in power. Okay. Let's put it that way. Let's try to, you know, separate it a little bit from the reality, just a, yeah. cor what I would call a corrupt person in power. Something that came to me, I, I, I'll, I'll recontextualize that a corrupt person in power put there ostensibly by people of faith mm. who will justify many things to keep that person in power. Mm. Um, what I wrote down that scares me read is God will not alter our behavior for us. Right. Right. And I know this may seem a weird path to walk, but I'm, I kept thinking about Patrick Bateman's like murder spree and, and, and let's even take it a little bit out of the faith context, the ability to engage on just a normal human level in a day to day while beneath the, the, the facade is cancer, decay and murder. Okay. Let's mm -hmm. look at it that mm -hmm. way. God will not change our behavior for us. Like you can't be the normal human on the surface with death, cancer, decay and murder below it. Right. It, it, it will, you, you will exercise those things and I'm going down a path here. I'm going to get back to my notes to try you're, to wrangle, you're, you're wrangle it. You're fine. Take I, your time. So, so, so in this idea of him not altering our behavior, what I wrote down is only willful submission to the spirits leading the living words, guiding and the communities affirming will help us best achieve patterns of thought and behavior that are good and right and true and beautiful. Um, you'll bleep me. I don't want my whole takeaway from these four years we're in to be what a piece of we have leading our country. Right. No, I understand. I don't want I that to be my takeaway. That's not productive. Yeah, I understand. It is self-evident, but it is not helpful. <laughs> hmm. It is not helpful. What is helpful is being able to recognize gross abuses of the crucified Christ perpetrated on the one African-American homeless man in the alley or the sex workers caught in a system of abuse and degradation mm. and the perpetration of heinous, repeated devaluing of all who don't literally look like me. Right. Right. Um, you may have seen this. I said this on Twitter this week. I don't know. Maybe who knows? Maybe it was an acorn of thought germinating from watching this movie, but I just had this like really arresting notion. I'll call it spirit imbued of the idea that I would say to you, to myself, to a listener, to a friend, to an enemy, to a Christian 
be a church more than you go to church. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Reed, you are it. Yeah. And yeah. I am it. Mm-hmm. And we are him. Mm-hmm. Don't go to a building and call it good. You, you look at the Patrick Bateman of the real world. If you're going to be a church, if you're going to be a quote unquote normal human, that's a bad correlation to make here in terms of the linguistics of it, but go with it. No, I understand. Be a place of welcome for the marginalized and the Mm -hmm. downtrodden. It is hard and it's overwhelming work. And it would be so much easier to murder the homeless guy and to devalue the sex worker. Mm. But doing that is picking up the hammer and nails all over again every time. Yeah. You know? I know this is a really weird sort of like takeaway from this movie. I don't I don't think so. I mean, I don't think it's that bizarre because <laughs> I can't tell if you're like hedging that statement. <laughs> no, no, no. You said in the very beginning of your very heartfelt unpacking of some of those thoughts. I appreciate I want I do want to express my appreciation to you for letting me sometimes just run but, off at the mouth. Of course, of course. <laughs> Likewise, my friend. That's what we show up for. Um but you said at the very beginning what you're talking about is artifice. What you're talking about is fabrication and representation. Part of the reason why I think that your extrapolation of the themes of this film and applying them to our current climate in 2018 is is appropriate is look back at that business card scene a business card in the business world is meant to be this this represents how i can get a hold of you but it's but it's more than that it's also got your title on there it's got the company you work for and you're associated with it's got your associations your title your contact information it's got all of that on uh, on that little aesthetic Exactly. It's meant to present a it use it sometimes has the logo for your company. It's meant to present and represent who you are to whoever you share it with. And that is very much a I think the film is very much playing with this notion of this what a thing is on the surface and what a thing really is underneath. I'm not winding us down, but I do want to bring in the scripture reference because I'll be referencing it in my responses to you. Um, This was not originally what I had in mind, and maybe I'll go back to my original one as the conversation goes on. But uh, as you were talking, I thought of Matthew 23, 27, uh, wherein it's one of the few passages where Jesus just loses his stuff on the people in the crowd around him. And he goes off on this group of um, Pharisees specifically. And verse 27 of Matthew 23, Jesus, these are the words of Jesus. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. And his language is very, uh, aggressive in that moment, but he he says it's all about what we're talking about. He says, "You are an artifice. On the outside, you look lovely. Inside, you're full of and I heard you reference it several times. Full of corruption, full of decay, full of you're dead inside. There's something. There's nothing vibrant about this this shiny plastic artifice that you present to the world, and it is easy." 
this is me slightly nuancing what you have expressed, but it's also kind of just unpacking my own thoughts on the subject. It is easy to look at the current climate of things and, and to say, because let us not forget whether you are a big fan of our president or whether you are not a big fan of our president, it is without dispute that he is born of the television world. He is a, he was a reality yeah, TV yeah, personality yeah. before he was ever our leader. And however you feel about his leadership capabilities or how he's, or the job that he's done, that is a true fact. He is a, he is born and bred of the, the business world. I will even say the occasionally cutthroat business world and the reality TV world, which are all, uh, I mean, he wrote a book called The Art of the Deal, which is not about fostering neighbors in the people that, you, you know, right, it's about. Right, right, it's right. about how you win. It's about how the strategies with which you go and you win. And this film, to me, speaks volumes about these people do not care about what's really going on with each other. These people could not care less about actual substance in the world around them. And that's part of what's driving Patrick Bateman nuts. That's part of what's driving him crazy. Or as he says in the film, I think my mask of sanity is slipping. God, what a chill. Yeah. Yeah. I think my mask of sanity, my mask of sanity, dig in on that word for a minute. I think my mask of sanity is slipping. There's so much what, what hurts my heart inside the film. When he says my confession has meant nothing is Roll with me here for a second, because I think he wants it to mean something. I think he wants his confession to mean something. He wants a catharsis. He says several times in the film to a few people, my urges are getting out of control. I cannot control my need, my bloodlust, he calls it at one point. I cannot control it. And here's what I think would be a truly sad state of affairs and what I think sometimes happens. You, you've articulated some things that are happening in the real, in the now. Some You, you have a, a, an apology of sorts following the, re, the revelation of the Access Hollywood videotape. You have, we are in a world where there are plenty of sincere apologies, so I am not dismissing or discounting anybody who is truly regretful of their actions, their words, or their behavior. Um, but... Apologies are like popcorn. The moment something happens, I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. You know, I'm I'm truly sorry. I'm profoundly apologize. You know, like anytime a social media thing happens, that's that's what we get. We get a slew of apologies, apologetic language, apologetic words. Like apologies are cheapening simply by the laws of supply and demand <laughs> because we demand right, them right. and so we have them in abundance and because of that their value is diluting day in and day out from everybody. Um but in this current administration, in this current condition, the climate, the political climate, the social climate, um, there are very real things happening, and people care more about appearance. I will say this, not just about our president, not just about the media at large, not just about any sort of individual personality or anything. We live in a time right now where your appearance matters more than your substance. 
right now. We do not care how you really feel about the poor, the homeless, equal rights. We do not care. What we care is what you say about it. We don't care how you really feel about it or what you really do about it. We care what you say or the image that you present of a thing, which is how, and this is how I want to tie it back in, which is how, and I've, I've I said this back in 2016. I've said it ever since then. For as many things that you, as you could ding our president for, he is brilliant. And I use that word with no irony whatsoever. He is brilliant at, bl- at brand planning. He, is, he has an innate knack for it, and he has an innate ability to understand what his base is going to want and how their support for him is going to deepen. And he feeds that. Sure. And, and, and to that end... He's that that's how he is where he is. I think it's it's the 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 unrest in our country from a variety of other things, the disenfranchisement in our country from a number of other things, combined with a man who innately and instinctively understands how to motivate his base to support him. And as a result, it does it does not matter to people how he really feels. It doesn't. But isn't isn't it interesting? I I want to I want to throw something there, but I'm I. Can you connect that a little bit to what you were just saying? Are you simply saying, or is the point you're trying to make in that analogy, like the whole, we don't care, the sub, we don't care about the substance of you. We care about, will you articulate the point of that? We, I'm speaking mostly of the social media world, but I think it's actually true of the day-to-day interactions as well. Uh We care more that the artifice is intact than we care that the substance is really there. We care more that the artifice is in place. And, and that's why he, one of a handful of reasons, Nathan, that's why he's our president. Sure. We, sure, care, sure. we care more about the artifice than we do about the substance. I think that is legitimately true. I well, feel but, like. Yes. And, and I know you don't want this either. I, I, I don't. This is why I felt so weighty listener who often may roll your eyes at when Nathan talks about politics, please show me some grace as we, as I wrestle through some of this stuff. Um, I, I, I keep wanting because as I was pondering this movie and my themes and what I wanted us, to, what I wanted to offer to talk about, I had to check myself. I'm like, well, don't just be that angry guy. You know what? What? Right. How, right. how do we? How do I boomerang this back in such a way that it's can matter? And and I think it's interesting. I I think take you know set set aside the president for the moment and and just this notion of uh, substance and artifice. Like what is scary to me is not just, is that chasm widening of what we're willing to, what we'll, will what we'll happily accept of the artifice overlooking the substance. But what scares me a bit too is the lack of grace when the need to bridge that gap presents Right. Oh, absolutely. I don't know if that makes any sense because, because I get chastened and I think this is maybe some of the, the, the emotionality I was, you know, was coming out a minute ago of like, I don't want to be the browbeater on a person, on on an individual. And so I really wrestle in these days. Like it, it is a, it is an active difficulty and challenge for me of like, I don't think I, I am a believer in the notion of false equivalence. Okay. Well, X doesn't always equal Y over here. So, so right. setting, setting that notion aside, I also don't want to just like it, it is not, I said it a minute ago, it's not productive for a person of faith vent 
get get the thing out that you need to get out in a safe place in a safe way but it's just not productive to wallow in that stew too much um maybe at all but you know I, i think i get chastened sometimes too like a minute ago you said we care more about the appearance versus how you feel and what you're doing i mean there are moments where i'm like oh my god you know what are the ways and are there ways and am i being glib and the doing matching up with the saying, if sure. That makes, if that makes any sense. No, it does to me. I think, and, it I, will. Yeah. and I, I just think that scares me a little bit because I don't want to be judged where I fall short. I don't want to be, you know, not judged. I don't want to be dismissed. Uh, Brian Stevenson, uh, uh, hero of the pod. Um, <laughs> one of his great lines is you are more than the worst thing you've ever done. I don't want to be lumped into the worst thing I've ever done and have that be considered me. So I am open and willing and desirous of the grace of a person to me, of myself to me. There's this, this is why I would, you know, Nanette bring that up was so powerful. There's this amazing and terrible story she tells. And she's, um, she's a lesbian middle-aged woman. And she tells the story of growing up in an extreme religious environment where she knew she was homosexual and learned through that culture to hate herself Mm. and, and, and the amount of life she had to spend on learning how to do that. So I I use that example here of like, we've got to learn how to show grace to ourselves for our failures, but these things, and I know it was maybe an odd sentence to throw in earlier, but of God not altering our behavior for us, like the chasm only grows if we expect an outside force to do all of our work and which is not me saying salvation is by anything or, or, you know, is, is not through grace, but by works. That's not what I'm saying, Mm. (laughs) but sanity, but sanity might be, Mm. you know, um, that just came to me in the moment, but you know, I don't know if that makes a total theological sense, but you, you are saved through grace. And, and that work is, is done and you, you do not have to lift a finger for that great and good work. And that is a glorious thing to testify to. But when, when the rubber meets the road and that chasm between the things we say, this read, read, this is why people, I, it may not seem like it, but I actively resist speaking in certainties often. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I understand. I understand. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to be that one who starts drawing really strict lines all over the place. Um, right. you know, for what a person, how a person can and can't be, or how faith can or can't manifest itself in a, in a, in a person. Because anyway, I'm talking a lot. No, what? no, no, you're, you're, you're fine. I, I want to, uh, I want to articulate as best I understand it, which is going to be super, super, abbreviated and super diluted um but i don't know for what it's worth i don't totally know what i'm saying so i appreciate your effort to to wrangle it into coherence i want to um articulate a theological position you say yes we are we are saved uh, by grace that is that that's an accurate representation of it but the the full statement of faith as it were for the believer for the christian believer is we are saved by grace through faith yes sure and part of what I would like to articulate in my own sort of readism way, so take this uh, as Reed unpacking some of his thoughts and feelings about faith, is 
We are not at all saved by works. Nobody's saying that. We are not at all saved. We are saved by grace through faith. There is a cooperative element to on. this salvation model. There's an old joke that I really like that I can't remember if I've shared on the podcast before. I may have shared it on the podcast before. If I have, then here it is again. If I haven't, then don't send this us. Seems, this seems like an odd pivot, but I'm open. I'm listening. <laughs> so there's a joke about a man who goes and he finds a field. And when he finds this field, um, it is overrun with weeds. The soil is rough and is very, uh, it's very brittle and it's not uh, conducive whatsoever for growth. The only thing it will grow is weeds and dead grass. And so uh, he takes this plot of land, these few acres, and he begins to cultivate it. He begins to cultivate the soil. He begins to work the soil. He, he plants a homestead there. He begins to cultivate it. He begins to work the field. He begins to plant a garden. And he works that field, and he plants that garden. And after a few seasons, a handful of seasons, he finally has uh, fertile soil, um, and the garden is plenteous, and it is beautiful, and there are uh, a few trees there that produce fruit, and it is gorgeous, and it is wonderful. And while he is sitting on the porch of this homestead that he has cultivated from this you know, dead and decayed plot of land, a man walks by and says, wow, this is a beautiful plot of land that you and the Lord have here together. This is a beautiful plot of land. And he looks and he laughs and he says, yeah, you should have seen it when the Lord had it all to himself. Wow. And what I mean by that is not to intend blasphemy, sure. but is to intend that there is a, a provocation of the Holy Spirit for us to cooperate with the work of the Spirit. And where true growth mm. happens is when we cooperate with it, when we ignore the artifice, when we don't care so much about the appearance of things, or as the Scripture puts it elsewhere, um, having the appearance of godliness but denying the power thereof. If we get that yes. on, if we, if we begin to cooperate with what the Spirit is doing in the world, that's when we will see substantive growth. We're not saved by what we do, but I also get equally frustrated when people then say, look, it's all God, it's all God. I understand what they mean when they say that, but the reality as I see it is, yes, it is God prompting you, it is God pushing you, it is God enabling you, it is God doing all those things, but there is a moment at which for a, for a moment, by grace, through faith, you said yes, Right. and when you said yes, things began to move. And I think that we do ourselves a disservice when we ignore the active cooperation element to things. And, and that's what I think I would articulate. Yeah, no, some, some I, I, I like that. And I think it's getting the gears turning more. And at some point we need to wrap this up. Um, <laughs> it, I, I, I can't get away some days from our purge conversation. And I feel like some echoes are happening here of like, I'm going to get on a soapbox that <laughs> I've wanted to get on for some time, but I never had the context in which to do it. And you just, you just teed me up for it. Um, all right. I, I will say this and someone can get mad at me for it. If you use the phrase virtue signaling in your life in any context whatsoever, stop. <laughs> um, it's, it's a terrible statement. It's a terrible phrase. It's ridiculous. Um, it's reductive. It's stupid. It makes you sound a bit ignorant. Um, Here's why I hate virtue signaling as a phrase. And uh, what's interesting about this is about two months ago, three months ago, sometime this year, 
someone used that phrase at me and I was unfamiliar with it at the time. And so mm. I, I kind of wish I'd been familiar with it when they use it. Cause I would have been like, Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but I didn't, I'm, I'm relatively ignorant of it. So okay. I'm, I'm getting well, an education. Here. Well, yeah. So it's, there are these buzzwords that have entered the lexicon, the cultural lexicon in the last 18 months. Right. You know, you've got your alt-right buzzwords that aren't even worth divulging here on the air. You've got, snowflake and libtard and all this other stupid garbage um i hate libtard. that's sorry, a terrible guys. phrase right a terrible statement <laughs> i inadvertently told a, a social media peers uncle when he chimed in on a conversation and said something about a snowflake i didn't know they were related i said hey the adults are talking if you're gonna come in here and use, <laughs> use <laughs> stupid immature language you can step out um Ooh, but wow. which actually was not even meant to insult him as much as to say like can we please just like talk like like please don't come in with these stupid right. phrases well uh virtue signaling and as much as i understand it is what has come to be used as a dismissive tool a dismissive semantic uh when you basically try to uh put forth anything good <laughs> really you, well it, how it happened was i think i was sort of extolling a certain idea or thought or maybe pattern of behavior and the person that used it against me was like oh sounds like some virtue signaling here in other words i was using an artifice idea is 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 the art wow is the idea here. that's and, what and they're sure, saying yes so like okay it is what a person will use if you're in a discussion, especially if it's a social media one, because that's the only place we speak, but we don't talk, right? Um, sure. Someone will use it to, as a dismissive tool. Like, mm. oh, look at Reed virtue signaling. Oh, look at you, Mr. High and Mighty. You're talking about theology. Oh, stop virtue signaling. It's, it's this kind of ridiculous. Really? Yes, oh, yes, wow. yes. That's why, very reductive. Yes, it is. And why I despise it, Reed, and I know there's no one else but you and I here. It's just us is son of a bee, man. Like when did aspiring to virtue become such a bad thing? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like that yeah. is yeah. what infuriates me and infuriates is the wrong word. That is what gets the fire shut up in my bones beginning to come out of the pores mm -hmm. because yeah. I'm like, I get it. I get it. I get it. You know, I, I understand the maybe core conceit that's being conveyed there, which is oh, don't rely on your soul artifice. Oh, look, look at the artifice. I, I Hey, that's what we're talking about, right? Artifice. Versus yeah. Substance. Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. But what I think is missing in probably 99.9% .9 use, uh, 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 deployment use of that phrase is the grace. It's like, what are you talking about? Why would I not want to encourage you? to godliness. Why would I not again, thinking about that purge conversation of, well, you're, you're not good. So quit playing like you are. Right. That to me right, right, right. is what virtue signaling is used to, to convey. You're yeah. not, you aren't really that good either. So stop playing like you are. Okay. <laughs> the, you know, like we're in a whole different kind of conversation now. When, when did it become passe for people of faith? to chasten one another towards virtue and righteousness and goodness and holiness, right? Which, what which you, totally sounds uh, uh, a flannel graph. That's, that's, I'm simply saying, like, I, as my brother, as my sister, uh, yeah, please, go, what were you okay. saying? Okay, what you are describing, 
I did not really understand the term virtue signal, but here's the phrase that keeps coming into my head. What you are describing is what I would deem resistance to conviction, because when we hear someone say, like, I can play out a scenario wherein somebody says, you know, hey, we, we should do better at this. Right. We should do better at this, or we should, we should try to do better at this. We should try to do better in this subject. We should try to do better in this area. We should try to do better in this area. And then a mob mentality mobilizes. I didn't mean to alliterate there. A mob mentality mobilizes, though, and they begin to pull you down, say, you ain't no better than me. You're yes. no better than this. You did, yes. you did this. You yes. did this. You did this. You did this. You're no better than me. Right. And what that is, is that is our innate resistance to, because what's probably happening is there's probably a pang of conviction in there is like, ah, you're right. We should be doing better. We should be doing better, but I can't do better, and I don't want to try to do better, and I really am very frustrated by this whole situation. So you shut up. So you sit down and shut up because you're trying to provoke right. conviction in me, so you sit down and shut up. It is the, it is the textbook for anything that I, any sort of relative conversation that I've been in, it is the textbook go to, uh, I'm putting in air quotes, the word, whatever it is the, you sit down and shut up mode for anybody who says, Hey, there is a better way to go about this than the way at hand. There is a better way to live. There is a better way to be. There is a better way to do. There is a better way. And the textbook thing, when somebody is sitting there and, and, and a better way is ascribed to, and they begin to say, like, hey, don't judge me. Don't you judge me. You have no right to judge me. And that's what they do. They they pull it down by saying, you have no right to judge. Nobody who presents a better way to do things probably has any pretense about the fact that they also have their issues and sure. they also have right. their problems. Yes. If you get into a heartfelt face-to-face conversation with them, they probably will acknowledge a great deal of their own mistakes, foibles, shortcomings, all of those kinds of things. And you'll have a real honest-to-God conversation there. But we have a tendency to resist the kind of – and that's that's something – oh, please read. Don't go off on all of this right now. But we have become desensitized to conviction. We have become desensitized to something spurring our spirit saying, that right there, that's sin. That right there, that is trouble. That is danger. That is death. That is the de- that is decay. And we don't want to own our crap. And because we won't own our crap, we will resist it by saying, uh, don't virtue signal me. Right. Yes. Yes. Totally that. And what's the phrase that keeps coming to me here is, as we often have referenced, is Eugene Peterson's along obedience in the same direction. Like, there's such a lack of... and people who use it would say, stop virtue signaling right here, Nathan. There's such a lack of interest in obedience. There's such a lack. Yes. It's, yes. We don't, we don't even care about obedience at all, much less a long obedience. Right. You know, like an like, obedience that takes time and doesn't have glory right, right. attached to it. And, and, and my goodness, man, like I think we are to exercise compassion and grace in every facet of our engagement with others and ourselves. So by no means would I think, do I think uh, uh, a, a, a wrathful judgment is called when we are, when we are naming others sort of foibles and errors and maybe even the word sin here. Like, I think if, if that is what's happening, then yes, I would resist that too. You know what I mean? Like, sure. like if yeah. you, you and I, you and I have been friends for almost 20 years. If you suddenly out of nowhere started like hammering me down on certain things, I'd be like, well, dang, man, you know, like read. that's, that's not, that's not faithfulness. That's I've not seen faithfulness. your closet and you got some skeletons in there. Yeah, exactly. sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it's interesting and, and 
we really, you know, we'll, we will soon begin to wind this down. You know, <laughs> I, I think, I don't know if this happens in your marriage sometimes. This happens in my marriage sometimes where it's like, you have to be gracious when you present a thing to your spouse, right? Like this thing that may yes. hurt you yeah, or, or mm-hmm. that has, has pricked your sort of feelings or, Hey, you know, like you do have to weigh out like, okay, I, I want to talk to this person in order for it to land at all. It has got to be so couched in grace and sensitivity and yes. compassion because I don't want self-awareness. Yeah. I don't want to provoke a situation where someone says, or the spouse says, well, yeah, but you do X, Y, and Z too. Like, okay, well that's, that's not what, I'm trying to talk about here. You know what I mean? So, right. Of course. I, of course. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I well, let me say this and I'll yeah, bring this please. back. To, I'll bring this back to the film. So, uh, two things, and maybe this, maybe this will be a pivot towards winding us down. Uh, maybe not listeners. You can see before listeners, you know, better than we do in this moment, how long this episode is going to go. You can see the time <laughs> um, but, um, this film is called American yep. psycho. Yep. And I think this is a very, I'm not, I've never been a part of any other culture in the world but America. So America is what I know. That's the only thing I can speak to. But I think there is a very specific sort of American idea of this idea of the artifice that we put forward and the decay that is present underneath. You look at, I'm not going to give a faux cheap history lesson right here, but the history of the foundation of America is built on the blood of people that we very senselessly frequently slaughtered and upended and didn't care very much about treating them as autonomous human beings. And yes, there was nobility in some of what was taking place in our strive towards independence and everything. But at the moment, it it, it is deeply ironic that in the moment it says, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that there were slaves in that, like that the person who wrote that owned slaves. You clearly you clearly didn't watch those Kirk Cameron documentaries. I told you to. Oh, check out. I didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, but but it, like, I mean, Patrick Bateman has all of this wealth and power and status and image and all of that stuff, and then slaughters people for yep. sport and for yep. sheer satisfaction of impulse. And in in that same token, I want to get back to something I said, you know, a while ago now at this point, but. He wants, his character wants his confession to be legitimate and cathartic and freeing and purging. He wants it to mean something. It's why he calls his lawyer in a state of frenzy and unloads all of it. He wants it to mean something. I would even dare say his character in that moment is desperate for it to mean something, which is why he says this confession to an answering machine right. instead of waiting until he can actually stand in front of the person. He's desperate to get it out of his system. God, save us. I say this with no tongue in cheek whatsoever. I mean this. This is an honest-to-God prayer of mine. God, save us as individuals and as a nation from reaching the point to where we are so desperate to come clean with our garbage, and we are so desperate to be honest about our hypocrisy, and we are so desperate to rid ourselves of the artifice that we spew all of these things out only to find that it's too late Nobody cares. It's moved too far. It's gone on too long. And now at this point, not only do you not even really know who you are, these other people can't keep you straight either. They don't know who you are either. And there's no place for you to spew forth your your confession. Nobody's listening anymore. Nobody cares. Nobody's listening anymore. And God save us from the day when it is too late, when we have resisted conviction enough 
to the point now where we have turned ourselves over to what the scriptures would call a reprobate mind, and we have severed and seared our consciences to where they no longer have the ability to prompt us to better and 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 good anymore. Uh, well, just, and I and I well I, I want to I want to throw on top of that pile uh, as a final thought. Uh, my intention with all these thematic notions has been to bring it, you know, put the mirror up back at myself, and and yes. God save us from getting that far gone. But this is where my heart burns and, and the fervor and fury and frenzy of our country right now threatens to calcify the, the, the barriers around my heart, but save me more Reed, from being the one who in the face of true desperate confession can no longer receive it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. I mean, the right. one who would see the the one flailing and and begging, and and be too hardened to welcome. Yes. Them. Too calloused. Right. Yeah. Yes. I absolutely. mean, I think that's almost. You know, for those of us normal folk who aren't necessarily ever going to be in those halls of power or or be you know have that level to potentially abuse. That, that would be more my prayer of, of let me be open as I try to be and want to be. Let me be open to the true and honest confession of repentance, mm-hmm. you know, yes. Yes. Um, despite all that has been evident and come before. Absolutely. Woo-wee. Goodness gracious. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I, I'm, you get- I am. I am. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Reed, for, for continued grace. And if you ever use the phrase virtue signal to my face, I'll punch it. <laughs> Your face, not my face. <laughs> I'm just going to punch myself in the face every time somebody says virtue signal to me. All right. Like, where'd you get all those black eyes? I've been on Facebook. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so I think it's time yep. to bring in our good friend, old David S. Pumpkins. Um, so, for those you know by now, we're almost 100 episodes in, y'all. And so. Uh, David S. Pumpkins, we're going to measure this film as we do all films by style, scares, and substance. Um, I'll go first. Yep. American Psycho, directed by Mary Heron, who we didn't even get a chance to talk about. She she swears up and down this is a feminist film. That's staggering to me. Uh, I'll take her at her word. She directed I, it. Um, that, that's funny you say that because, and I don't want to derail you too much here, because I love that a woman directed this and would love, to, I don't know if there, I don't have a Blu-ray version or a, a physical copy where there might be a director's commentary. I'd love to dig in on that a little bit more. To just hear it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd love to just sort of see that perspective overlaid onto this film. Go ahead, please. I'm totally agreed. Um, Style. um, I think you have to be on the wavelength. Like you said, like I've said, I think you have to be on track with what this film is going for. If you are, it's four and a half for me. Like I I think it, it would be a solid five. If I didn't understand that there absolutely has to, you have to get in line with what the film's doing. It's not a very accessible film, but if you're on that wavelength, four and a half for me for style. Uh, I think I'm going to go with you there because it's, it is fascinating. There have been, I've had, I can't think of a ton, you know, one eighties I've done on movies like I've done with this one. I mean, that first viewing I made, like I referenced was so, I was kind of repulsed. I was like, this Mm. is bleh. Yeah, um, sure. but once you start digging beneath 
And once you, like we both said, once you calibrate to its frequency, I mean, watching it for this recording midway through, I texted you, I was like, this is staggering. Like, yeah, absolutely. The yeah. the text of the film itself, the literal script, uh, Bale's performance. Uh, I, I, again, I don't even totally know every thing it's reaching for, but I'm so impressed with how it reaches for it. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll join you at a four and a half. Um, as far as scares go, I think, I think it'd be, there's a world where I could just hand it a five. It, it, I think I may settle on a four. Um, I do think it's, it's repulsive in certain places. Um, it is genuinely horrific in many places. The, the scare factor for me is almost in the DNA of what it is or isn't going for. So yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's some legitimate, really frightening stuff going on in it. Sure. Um, I'm going to, without too much explanation or qualifying, I'll just admit that I'm, I'm, I'm going to ding that down a little bit because I find it a very provocative, especially thought provoking film. Um, but I don't find it a terribly scary one. Um, so I'm going to land on a three for scares for me. Cool. What about um, substance? Uh, five. I don't, I don't even, I don't even need to justify that. Like it's a five for substance. There's a lot, like I said earlier, we could go into scene by scene by scene. There's so much going on in this film. We could have two more episodes at this length. Again, thanks for staying with us listeners. Um, at this length, we could have these many more conversations and probably go into a variety of different places. So yeah, uh, five for me for substance. I, it's funny. You stressed at this length. I just looked at the runtime. I'm like, Oh my gosh, thank you everybody for your grace. Um, yeah, I'm with you. It's a five. Um, so yeah, what does that, absolutely. where does that put American psycho, this penultimate monster mash episode read? We give American Psycho in the penultimate Monster Mash, Fear of God Monster Mash series, an eight and a half out of ten wow. David S. Pumpkins. It's a solid film. It's a fantastic film. It is not an accessible film, but if you can calibrate to its wavelength and if you can handle the uh, degree of of sort of maturity that the film demands of you, I think there's a lot here. I like there's the way you said that. That was really good. Um, yeah. Last bits of business, guys. Remember, be on the lookout tomorrow for the Instagram video, uh, Thursday for the Facebook uh, questionnaire. Um, uh, Read. I'm going to announce right here, we are finishing up Monster Mash next week with episode 99 and in po poetic fashion um, for the last of our monster mash episodes, we will be discussing final destination. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's what we're talking about next week. Reed, take us out. All right, everybody. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not even at this length, the end of the conversation. <laughs> so um, we again, thank you so much listeners. Uh, we're going to say this probably several times and several times again. Thank you so much, not only for staying with us in this conversation. Thank you for staying with us through 98 episodes. Uh, Nathan, thank you so much for being my friend. Uh, you're a wonderful human being. I love you so much. Uh, I thank you so much for what you brought into my life and I appreciate it. I love you guys uh, and uh, we love you and we thank you again for everything. So guys, check us out on social media uh feedback to us uh, you know kick around thoughts ideas anything we'd love to hear from you uh we love you guys we really do and we will see you <laughs> next week uh for final destination see you for episode 99 everybody see you guys Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of the conversation. To continue this conversation, you can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God. 
visit us on Facebook to comment on one of our posts or to post there yourself. You can follow Reed on Twitter at Reed Blackie. You can follow Nathan on Twitter at The Nathan Rouse. Visit MoreThanOneLesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the official episode posts. Email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or a review. Thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week. I feel so-